0: Welcome to the weekend watch list here on InterCut, going through all of the best movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I am your host Arturo Zurita, and joining me, my other co-host, my co-chef, actually, Ooh. Zachary Chevis. Yes, Chef. Okay, Chef. Thank you, she- thank- thank you Chef. You're welcome, <laughs> we- Chef. I-, I was watching a video from Mr. from the actual Mr. Beef spot where they mm-hmm. uh, filmed the bear, and they were telling the guy. Uh, they, were, they were calling him chef and he goes if you come into this establishment and you call me chef I'm gonna kick you out I'm not gonna serve you and they were calling him an Ejo and I'm like you guys are clearly visitors and you've never been to Chicago you are not gonna go into an establishment and tell somebody who they are
1: um, you know I uh, took my father out uh, to a restaurant uh, over Father's Day weekend and and somebody in, I heard somebody in the kitchen yell corner no. and my first thought was oh they're, they're referencing the bear before I remember it. no it's, a, it's an actual <laughs> kitchen it's an actual working kitchen I saw a movie with flowers and it's the <laughs>
0: a24 movie I know I feel you dude I think uh the the bear has really kind of like showcased a lot of people how restaurants really work mm-hmm. to the point that there is uh, we're gonna talk about it more but there's a certain thing that they showcase in this season of the bear about how restaurants listen to you mm-hmm And when Alina and I sat down and we went, so that's how they knew four years ago to give us the lasagna that we didn't ask for, but that we were contemplating on the menu. Exactly. I'm, I'm never having a conversation inside of a restaurant ever
1: again. I mean, if you don't want great service, then don't let them eavesdrop on <laughs> your secret <can't> desires.
0: <laughs> um, so, yes, or in case you do, just like the same way you do it with your Google phone or whatever it is, just, just whisper it into the menu. And it turns out, <laughs> the finer of the establishment, they might show up with the, the craziest thing possible. Mm. Uh, we have several movies this yeah. weekend, several good TV shows as we're wrapping up what is the first weekend of the summer. I, I don't know if you count May or if you count June to me june is the first summer month.
1: Yeah, as soon as it hits june, I'm am just like in summer mode even if the calendar doesn't necessarily fully represent it. I'm I'm going shorts, I'm going flip-flops when I can. It's <laughs> if it's if it's warm out, I'm pretending it's summer. I like how you
0: have the complete opposite. You got the Hawaiian over here the last one, I got my my
1: Tom Hardy. Yeah, you look like you're ready for fall already. I don't know what's going well, on, dude. Well, I'm back
0: over here. You know, I got the, the vents right on me. But uh, you know, it's because we have such cool movies coming out this weekend. Yeah. But, um, we wanted to give a big shout out to all of the inner cuties, all those who are watching live on the live stream, all those who watch, uh, post in the episode. We appreciate it whenever you're watching, listening here on YouTube, here on all of the social media platforms, podcasters that we have, especially over on Apple Podcasts, where we've been yeah. trying to build up this goal. A lot of y'all have gone over there and left us five-star reviews. One person did not like us. It's okay. We've talked it over. They will not be leaving more reviews. But for the rest of y'all, we've been really appreciating that because that's one of the big things that allows us to be able to see a lot of the movies early. We have some Indiana Jones coverage that we're going to be able to do early here because we had the chance to go see it. Disney uh, appreciates the fact that we have a platform Others need us to hit a, a certain threshold. So with that, we're looking to get more five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. So even if you're an Android fan, build some sort of account over there if you're a big inner cutie listener. Leave us yeah. some five-star reviews over there. Four and a half, four point three, 4.3, nothing <laughs> less than four, hopefully. Um, because that really does help us. And uh, the more that we get to, the, uh, to different thresholds, we're looking to get to like 300, I believe, Paramount said we will be in the next Mission Impossible movie. So if you want to see us in Dead Reckoning Part 2 or listen to us over in Dead Reckoning Part 2, go leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, um, or else we won't be able to see Mission Impossible 7. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. You trying to be one of the people on the on the train that kind of, like, goes off the tracks in Mission Impossible, or do you need to do the full, like, motorcycle jump off a cliff into, into squirrel suit jump for, for your mission— uh. <laughs> I'll play
0: the I'll play the butler who gets like pushed at the beginning of yeah. the train scene. I, I don't care. <laughs> I'll be I'll be wherever wherever they need me to be. I'll play yeah. a wire. Um, moving into our movies of the week, I say we start with the early one that we have because we will be making a lot of after credits for a couple of these. But the big one that is on the horizon, honestly, really massive, is a new Indiana Jones movie. I am a person who uh, remembers going for the last one where Shia LaBeouf was supposed to be the person who was going to take the mantle, the hat, the robe, what? and continue the legacy of Indiana Jones to Chris Pratt's dismay. Boy, do they answer what happened to Shia LaBeouf <laughs> in this movie. Ugh. Zach, you had the chance to see it. Uh, I I got the chance to see it early as well. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny directed by the one and only James Mangold. How do you think he did on this new outing for one of the longest running franchises?
1: You know, I don't think James Mangold did particularly, like, terribly. It's not like a disgrace to the Indiana Jones legacy or whatever. I don't necessarily think he has the same eye for big action set pieces that Steven Spielberg did. Uh, There's not necessarily the uh, high level of of tension and, and exhilaration that some of the best sequences in the best Indiana Jones movies had. And there's also just something that's a little bit less tactile than most of the Indiana Jones uh, yeah. movies like they're they're leaning heavy into the digital uh whether that's the like uh caravan tuk-tuk drive uh chase scene that they had that looked like it was entirely green screened or it's just all the de-aging and whatever they throw on top of Harrison Ford that makes it all just feel a little bit unreal you know like he the face is pretty convincingly like young Harrison Ford but the voice is still 70 something 80 year old man so i don't know uh, i i kind of miss the days when we could just cast a younger actor to play the younger version of the character but uh whatever uh as for as for james bangold's job here like i don't think he dropped the ball completely but it's just same it, it's just like lacking a little bit in the magic that makes these movies great when they are great and, and i just found myself like not that not that swept up in it, a little bit bored by it, but uh, I don't know, I wasn't completely disappointed with it. And surprisingly, although I don't think we should like spoil it here, I kind of dug the big leap they take in the ending. You know, the, all these movies always takes like, a little bit of a step towards sci-fi in their third act. And I, I kind of dug what they did here in terms of how it, like, uh, incorporates who the, who the Indiana Jones character is. But yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think about Dial of Destiny? Uh, to start
0: off with the first thing or the last thing that you said there about the leap that it takes, I heard some mm-hmm. people going like, oh, no, they're going to jump the shark. Did, did y'all forget what the crystal skull was? <laughs> like they already jumped it there. I was rewatching they that scene. They already
1: nuked the, the fridge.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, the one with Blanchett, she's got this whole sequence. If you forgot what happened there, go check it out. That thing's beyond an, an ET level moment. I thought it was interesting what they were what they were going for here. I do mm-hmm. agree with you that when it comes to a lot of the set pieces, it's just a matter of relying on CGI that that's why it'll never compete with Spielberg. Because at that yeah. point, it doesn't feel like you're in the sets. It feels like everything's behind green screen. And it sucks because James Mangold is a really good director, um, I, I think, when it comes to action. I like Ford v. Ferrari. I think Logan yeah. has been one of the best you know, mixes of a superhero movie as well as a Western. What was a goodbye to the character? But <laughs> there are certain moments here where if it's an exterior, or, 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 or a wide, I should say, of an action sequence when Harrison Ford gets on the uh, on the horse in three different shots, uh, <laughs> the whole chase, you know, down a subway, whatever else, it looks pretty cool. But the moment you zoom, w- zoom in on Harrison Ford on the horse, boy, I could see the outline. When mm-hmm. they're doing that, that chase that you were talking about overseas and... Uh, they're going throughout all the town. It it's pretty visceral. You have a lot of people dying in this that I that I did not expect. Yeah. I had I had said uh, James Mangle directed it but he was James mangling bodies. <laughs> Some you all took high that. High
1: body count. Yeah.
0: I was really impressed with that. Give me more of that. But mm-hmm. then it does feel like a tease when the rest of it feels fake, you know. So you'll have moments that you're like I can't believe they're going all out with this. And then just other ones where you close up in on the faces and it just doesn't feel real. And I think that's where I had a, a big push and pull. I understand people saying, oh, this feels like a throwback. Because it does. But then it stops halfway through, in my opinion, um, with, with fully committing to it. If it did, because it doesn't have these massive set pieces like the originals did. And I think that's what really matters. Uh, if not, it feels kind of fake. I, I don't care for the de at all, dude. I thought it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. We have a new character in this as well with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge who... Look, I... I'm a big fan of Phoebe. I understand some people who don't like her. We know that she has pretty much become uh, a writer who, with her Amazon deal, I don't know if you remember what she was able to get out of that one. Um, She's got this capitalism line that I just find funny in the movie. (laughs) Because I'm like, bro, you mastered it, though, with that Prime deal where you never did anything back Mm -hmm. for the millions of dollars that she did. Um, I think she's a funny person. I think she adds a lot to this movie. But I can see so many people already complaining Mm -hmm. about certain elements and certain sequences where she takes charge. And I'm thinking, no, but it's an indie movie. I need my indie. It feels a lot like 007, another movie where she was the writer on it and added different things that, you know, a lot of people wanted to complain for No Time to Die. I didn't mind No Time to Die. I don't mind the things that they do in this movie because we're on our fifth Indiana jumps. Mm -hmm. There is a sequence where they do a flashback with her and it was a younger character and I'm like that's what they used to do to DA, right? just
1: cast a different actress and it works better. Yeah, what did you feel about all the supporting characters, uh side casts, I guess? Um I mean I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge generally. I don't think that she had the like clearest sort of role I- in this film, right? Because it's really right? w- we kind of want to be following Indy, but she sort of ends up being this like a like certain on like both sides of good and bad, uh, character for most of the film. And you, like, I, I don't know if it felt they they felt like they had a clear picture of who she is other than like wisecracking and kind, kind of like clever in a way that indie isn't necessarily, uh, that she, she does it in a more subversive kind of like subtle way. Um, I don't know. It just, their dynamic felt a little bit strange to me. Um, And I I just, I don't know, because they also tried to give her almost her own version of a short round character. Um, And I I don't know. Um, It just never really fully clicked to me, even if I generally find uh, her to be charismatic. I also like generally like Viggo Mortensen uh, or excuse me, Mad, Mads. Mads Mikkelsen. I'm thinking about our bracket later. I generally like Mads Mikkelsen. I generally like Toby Jones. Um, I think the the leap that Toby Jones makes from where he is in the beginning of the movie to where he is later just feels like, again, sort of like the character working in service of the story and not the character feeling like one person throughout. And mm-hmm. then with Mads, you know, I, I think they gave him some interesting motivations, but it's just ultimately like a bland Nazi character in the end. And I just don't think that he was given room to have kind of the depth that we know he's capable of in better, better performances. So I don't know. It's all like fine. It's all serviceable, but it's just not inspiring or exciting in a way that these movies can be. So I don't think like it's necessarily going to be like a movie that people hate their experience of watching. I don't think there's a lot that's hateable about it. There's just not a lot that's really exciting about it either.
0: That's for the general audiences. Do you feel that fans of the franchise are going to come into it and kind of be, I don't know, upset? Not feel that it lives up to what it needs to? And again, I'm I'm not speaking like, Normally, right? Because yeah. the last one already did the, the worst thing it possibly could. So it's not like this is the one that's going to be the tipping point. I think this is a lot better than Kingdom's, uh, Kingdom's Call, right? Um, that said, I don't think it's going to match what people love from the original. Yeah. And there are several things that they're just not doing to replicate that, you know, from the green screen, from the way that they, uh, uh have an ensemble around Indiana yeah. Jones. And just the fact that he's not the same young guy that people want him to be. And I think that's mm-hmm. a big thing with a lot of these stories. With 007 getting older, with um, Skywalker getting older, there's this, like, pushback of wanting to have them remain as this omnipotent hero mm-hmm. that I think is for an Expendables movie. <laughs> <You're> right, right. <laughs> and I'm right. realizing for a lot of these big franchises, it's like you either die early or you're not going to see the hero be the perfect, you know never-missing-a-shot type hero that you want him to be. So, I don't know. I think that's, like, a a bigger critique on just... milking these franchises, always having another one after the last one was the last one, so.
1: Well, it's it all goes back to that Star Wars problem, right, of where the original conception was to do the new trilogy about a new set of characters and then maybe some of the legacy characters are there in kind of supporting roles and the further along into that new trilogy it got, the more and more it became about the old characters because yeah. it, they, there's just this reluctance to move on, to give audiences a chance to embrace new stars and I think, you know, particularly in a franchise like this it just it's hard to put the burden of, of an action adventure onto the back of someone as old as Harrison Ford unfortunately you know they they have all this digital trickery to kind of convince you it works but i don't know if i've ever seen a blockbuster action movie with where the two stars and I'm including Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this are as slow runners as these two right. are like you if you pay attention to the way they try to cut around how slowly they both move it is hysterical it's pretty bad yeah uh
0: we did have uh, a lot of receptions coming out of Khan uh, as well as Elemental two Disney movies or you know with the Disney backing mm. that just did not read the room when it came to a snotty French film festival and thus they got really bad reviews I have seen Elemental we covered it last week I don't think it was as bad as Con made it out to be it's also not as great as Pixar made it out to be I think we have the same scenario here where I don't think people were ready for uh, you know like a throwback yeah. blockbuster in the middle of all of the French movies that were being it's played there it's the wrong there.
1: audience the, the yeah. Con critics for, for these types of movies
0: so I think they need to do a better job at how they market the movies and where they open the movies. But for regular audiences, I don't think that they're going to have a bad time with this because it's indie for the next two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. until Mission Impossible. So it's going to have a clear clear window uh, in terms of box offices that if that's the way we want to break it down. Because other than that, uh, Flash tanked, bro. Yeah. Uh, from the last two weeks, it has gone so low, they said Spider-Verse beat it out, and it's back at number one. So, it you know, you have the yeah. live-action movie with animated elements, trying to make him young, competing <laughs> with the animated movie. Um, totally. I I, I, mean, I think it'll do well.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to go or further decent, on, decent. on, on go, just to go further on what you're talking about with the Flash, uh, it had a 73 percent drop from its opening week, which is the largest drop for a superhero movie outside of Morbius. So uh, not exactly, <laughs> not exactly the most confidence uh, building for the DCU uh, going forward. When it comes to uh, the Indiana Jones movies and or whether or not this one will be a flop as well. I don't think it's necessarily going to do terribly at the box office compared to, like, other movies that come out. I, I don't think there's necessarily, like, huge hunger for it, but it's mo- it's pretty successful in terms of being, like, decently entertaining. I don't think it'll have bad word of mouth. Uh, but the film reportedly cost nearly $300 million to make. Where do these budgets come from? Which, yeah, whoever approved that is out of their mind. Like, this is not... People have already had a chance to come back to the Indiana Jones franchise, and the I think the taste that four left in people's mouths means that there's not going to be that hunger for five. Have you rewatched four? Because uh, no, I'm have
0: even seeing in the chat some people are like, I don't know if they saw UFO since then, but they're they they're vibing
1: with it. They're saying that they <laughs> they're rewriting it and they're saying it was always that great. Yeah, look, there's a lot of people ch- coming out as the Kingdom Skull of Christmas villain. Yeah, uh, Amanda Hi- who also is is. Revealing herself to be one of them. I mean, I'm not gonna go go ahead and reassess that movie, but you know, I don't know. At least, at least it felt more practical than this one did. Even if it's, Mm -hmm. even if it's weird, the action scenes at least felt real, like real action scenes. Yeah, felt like a real fridge. (laughs) Exactly. Eh, 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 Maybe uh. not.
0: I like the Frenchie. I I, I like when it goes that goofy. Um, The last thing to wrap up here is I do think that it's worth, if you're an Indiana Jones fan, to see uh, in theaters as a matinee of sorts. But for everybody else, I think you'll be completely fine waiting for this one. Yeah. Because it's probably going to be a Disney Plus. like We're really almost down to the point of it doesn't matter if it's $300 million. At the end of the day, can you Disney Plus it? And are you willing to wait? And most people, I mean, they are. Even with Elemental, they said that they were willing to do that. I don't know yeah. if you'd recommend leaving out to the theater for this or if you think people should wait at home.
1: With as many movies as are coming out this summer, I don't think this is going to be like a movie you have to go see. I mean, I had a decent time with it, but it's not. I think you can save it for uh, rented or stream.
0: And the final thing do you think that he alone can do it as a box office star over 40 Zach? If there was a bracket <laughs> that was being made, how far uh, do you think?
1: Ooh, it's a good question. I mean, look if for for box office stars eighty and over. He might be the reigning king. Oh, um, like, when we when we compare him to people in their sixties, how and old 50s, wait, how old is he? He been he turned eighty. He's
0: bro. And he's look, got a shirtless scene in this movie. He, <laughs> if look, that's he's, an eighty year old man.
1: He looks great. Yeah. He's great on shrinking, which where we love him. Oh but, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Maybe maybe better in roles like, like shrinking than leading action adventure franchises. Still, all right.
0: We will be covering uh, a bracket coming up very soon that we will be recording about all of the best movie stars over 40?
1: 50. 50 and over. 50. 50. Yeah, we did 40s with Elliot like last year, so we got to advance another decade.
0: Mm -hmm. We're coming in with the uh, AARP console and figuring (laughs) out which one of these actors is getting their due. But that is Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Let's move on to somebody else who, look, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, because I don't know how old this next man is, but Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. We're going to be doing a much bigger discussion because I'm going to be sitting down with Zach, and he's going to be explaining to me (laughs) the the missed beauty that I had in Asteroid City, a movie Mm -hmm. that I do respect completely because it has a really great beginning. Oh, I was seated back for that beginning. I thought my man was going to go fully in. He is he is killing it in terms of the dialogue that he had in mm-hmm. that intro. Everything was so fast-paced. The opening credits, the way he was just blocking everything within this asteroid city. There's even an element to it that you kind of teased to me, and I don't want to spoil for the audience, that I was like, okay, he's going to do something new. Completely lost me in that second act. The third really? act almost got me back. But there are elements to this movie where I'm like, he—he, he, we're just getting the Wes Anderson version of what we've already seen mm-hmm. other big movies do, in my opinion. But, Zach, mm-hmm. you really vibe with it. So tell me more I about did. Wes Anderson's Asteroid City.
1: Uh, yeah, Asteroid City. Uh, for me, it's a return to form for Anderson, who's one of my favorite filmmakers. I'd say you, you probably could put him among your favorite filmmakers as well. Oh, even he, if he's raw. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's an, un, he's an undeniable talent in many ways. And uh, this latest one has a lot of the usual things going for it in that it all looks pristine. The production design details are are immaculate. Uh, It's got an incredible cast, and a lot of them are doing like really stellar work here. Um, But to me, I think the thing that makes this one special in terms of Wes Anderson films is that when, for me, like, obviously the characters are very stilted and very emotionally reserved in all of his movies, but there are those windows into their, their emotional state that, I think help these movies transcend and like to me the the best moment in any we- Wes Anderson movie ever is towards the end of Royal Tenenbaums when uh when he says uh it's been a really hard year dad and it's just sort of that like little peek into the pain that is informing how this character acts throughout the rest of the movie that it's so like beautiful and, and piercing and feels kind of true in a way where I think a lot of people keep their their emotions sort of reserved and inner uh when when they can or at least in like you know in a lot of situations at least um this is another film where it's about these people who have all their different complications all their different heartaches or or grief or whatever and and they are nonetheless kind of pushing forward and not, like, sitting back and reassessing. And I think this is a movie sort of about, like, what those types of people are like, what those types, what what lingering pain does to people. And in a way, it's also okay. about, like, all the characters that Wes Anderson has created throughout his career. And it feels with its little, like, meta moments in, in revealing uh, that this is kind of, like, a play happening within this world and talking about actors and directors and actors doing things that are in the script, even if they don't necessarily know what they're about. To me, it feels like Anderson talking about his career and the reasons that he does things the way he does. So, I don't know. I think there's, like, a lot of little interesting things to pull. I think the writing in this one in particular is really, really precise. Uh, Lines like, uh, my mom's not into astronomy, she's into uh, stardom. Just, like, very subtly, very clever. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I've, I've never wavered on my love for him as a visual artist. But sometimes I feel like the scripts don't have, like, that that through line that really allows me to hook into it. And for whatever reason, I found it here. I know it's, like, hard to kind of, like, dig at it through all the different layers that Anderson packs onto his movies. Like, I, I saw someone say that this is basically uh Barbie meets Oppenheimer because you get Atom Bombs and Pastel colors, oh. <laughs> But it, it's, like... It, it just adds to the beauty of what he can do that is so singular because it's so dense, yet you can, you, when you know where to look, you can penetrate it.
0: Yeah. I don't think there's a bad performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he, you know, there's that stilted way of uh, the way he, like, he directs them, but with directors like him and Yorgos, I can see what he's getting out of his actors. I think they all do a great job. I think the setup for the story is really good. Yeah. And I love the world that he created here. You got Steve Carell selling lots of plots of land that turn out are not really selling, but they're renting. There's yeah. a lot of little things that he, he puts throughout this movie. There's something about the basis of the story, like you said, where you want to get into Wes Anderson and what he's saying about Wes Anderson. Yeah. And the, and the characters that he's made, but also hasn't made, that we're seeing for the first time in this movie... Mm -hmm. and it feels like a retro... There's a line in the movie that I won't spoil that they repeat a lot at the end of the movie. It just becomes this mantra. And for directors like Wes Anderson, it's something that they need to hear. But for directors who did not have the opportunities like Wes Anderson, it's not something they've ever needed to hear. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's a reckoning for Wes Anderson that I wish I connected with more... I just rather him make his movies. I would rather him make all the other stuff. The introspective stuff is decent. It's cool. Yeah. I liked it when it, I liked the when it came from the the younger characters mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, these kids can have all, all this stuff happening around them but at, at the end of it, uh, Chicken Nugget Kid, who shout out him, he did a fantastic yeah. job in the movie. Um alongside like I want to call her Natalie Morales, but I, I, this new younger <laughs> actress who somehow is the daughter of uh, Scarlett Johansson, you know. I I'll, I'll leave all of that other stuff there. I enjoyed it when he when he was looking at it from that youthful perspective. He obviously delivers when he's talking about the older cast, and as you were mentioning, mm-hmm. who are actors playing actors to a degree, where he is speaking about the filmmaking side of it and just the pain and turmoil that comes with trying to create art and maybe understanding it or maybe not even understanding it, which I do look as someone who didn't fully connect as much as you did. I don't like the people who are trying to say is like, oh well, he said that there's there's no meaning to it, so there's no meaning to it. I, I I do respect someone being willing to come out and almost question the idea of like, what is the meaning of this? Do do I have the purpose within my movies that I'm supposed to be having? Do my actors understand it? Do I even fully understand it? I think that's raw. I also don't fully need it from Wes Anderson because I think Wes Anderson's already been said. Uh, look, Wes, look, who who's the who's the lead in this movie?
1: I mean, Schwartzman, no.
0: Mm-hmm. Nephew of.
1: exactly Uh, yeah he's in the Coppola family
0: exactly you got Roman Coppola writing this movie as well they what went to high school together college Mm -hmm. together I think there's a completely different outlook from a man who has characters and again we'll have a whole after credits for this um, where I guess he's now getting into the side of characters and elements that he's never had to worry about in the past Mm -hmm. and I think that we've had a lot of directors in movies that have covered certain things even with the break in the fourth wall there is one actor in here who's kind of narrating, who Mm -hmm. does this bit. And I'm like, we've been seeing this joke in movies for years now. And Wes Anderson's like, but I haven't done one. So (laughs) when he did it, I'm like, bro, if he would have done this in 2012, oh my goodness, it would have killed. But at this point, I'm like, okay, this is his Deadpool moment. Um, I am excited to talk about it more because I did like how you broke it down. Mm-hmm. Um, And I know Amanda also really liked it, and hopefully we have her on for it. And uh, you were yeah. even mentioning um, uh, our buddy Taylor made yeah. a really in-depth video about it as well.
1: Yeah, shout out to so Taylor J check Williams.
0: Because look, it's not—he's never going to make a bad movie. It's just about how much you connect with it. Because I'm—I'm I'm a person totally. who did not uh, dislike his previous one, which
1: French Dispatch. Yeah,
0: yeah. Zach came home, ripped the posters, and I was like, "Damn, bro, wasn't that bad?"
1: <laughs> I to me, three stars.
0: <laughs> to me, they're very similar, though. Like. I think that it has yeah. a similar pacing, uh, a similar approach to its characters. And that thing that you're we saying, where it's like it's not on the outside of how the characters act, but it's really on the inside and, and this through line of what they've been carrying with them. You know, one's about a city and these actors playing actors, and the other one was about a newspaper. I still think they're very similar in that sense. Yeah. Um, even similar posters, damn.
1: Okay. To- totally. Um, I think one thing that ultimately helped me enjoy Asteroid City a bit more than The French Dispatch is that French Dispatch kind of is this like collection of stories. It feels almost more anthological whereas this is still like an ensemble piece but it's still centered around one thing and that kind of like that that kind of cohesive element to it maybe helped me a little bit because even with a film like Grand Budapest, that is really sprawling in its scope. Um, So I kind of liked seeing him hone in on like almost one location and and seeing what happens when these characters are, rather than like going out and doing other things, are trapped here. Um, But you know, th- that's that's the thing about Wes Anderson movies is that, like, ultimately it's, like, shades of different elements and it, people respond to the shades that they like more. But I, I agree with you. I don't think there is a bad, bad Wes Anderson movie out there, even no. if some of them are not ones that I revisit very often.
0: It's just whatever you click with. So Asteroid City, it is out in theaters. Make sure you find a good screening of this because it has different aspect ratios. And there were certain parts for me where oh. a lot of the subtitles were cut. And, uh, yeah, that's not really cool. So if you can find a really good one, uh, the colors are immaculate. The framing is (laughs) really good. And I would say even the sound design for this because he's got a lot of different elements um, because there's stop motion. And there's a lot of – there's not just live action stuff, but it's changing colors from black and white to uh, their actual setting and such. And it really has this, like, uh, nesting doll effect to yeah. it on, on where you are in the story so uh, i'm curious to know people's thoughts on this uh, i still think it's worth going out to a theater just because any, of the way that he shoots it
1: any favorite performance other than maybe like jason schwartzman and scarlett, uh, scarlett johansson kid? since chicken <laughs> nugget
0: kid i should know his name right to be respectful is it jake yeah, ryan maybe i think it's it jake, jake ryan he's really good nah, he's chicken nugget kid in my heart though yeah Look at yeah oh what it a, what a stag stacked oh dude this <laughs> this boy has been on a run a oh, really good for him, man i think he mm-hmm. really embodied like Again, and I do find that interesting in the movie. His mm-hmm. father, who's not really his father, but the performance of his father, that he's in it. I would have <laughs> liked to see a little bit more of the kids in the behind the scenes. Um, yeah. And I think I would have liked that more. But uh, besides them, Tilda Swinton had some really good lines that she, <laughs> Tilda great. she was able to bring in towards the end. Maya Hawk. Oh, yeah. Maya Hawk. Kind of a small role, but really, really good. delightful. Yeah, as a teacher who's taking care of these kids who are also mm-hmm. kind of trapped in this asteroid city. Um... And who who plays the let's just call him extraterrestrial. <laughs>
1: that <was pretty> funny. <laughs> I, know know what I love, the, Uh you know why I love in these movies? Cause he's also really excellent in French dispatch, but I think Jeffrey Wright just has this like really excellent grasp of the yes. Wes Anderson tone, and his voice is so beautiful delivering Wes Anderson style dialogue. Just like I would listen to him give like a 30-minute speech as one of those characters. He's so good. He's too
0: good in the French dispatch? too good in that movie yeah which is one of the big reasons why i like that movie yeah he's the best part of it in my eyes easily to say like oh yeah you still gave it 10 out of 10 but boy what you were doing over there (laughs) that was great i like how he's now just become a part of the family Mm -hmm. so like five movies down the line it's just like he was always there (laughs) always there now same thing with tony um uh, one of the last ones i will give on because i don't want to tom hanks tom hanks Mm-hmm. was freaking phenomenal in this movie. There is he's a in- line that he tells Jason Schwartzman because mm-hmm. he's playing his father-in-law about timing. Yeah. I, dude, I was strapped in for this to beat Moonrise Kingdom. I was strapped <laughs> in for this to be Grand Budapest Hotel. And at the beginning, I'm not going to lie, it, it almost got me there. I will, maybe on a rewatch... Like the second one uh the second act even more after we have more of our discussions but dude tom hanks was killing it at the beginning
1: mm-hmm. he's one of those actors that like is so feels so perfect for how wes anderson makes his movies it's a wonder that they've never worked together in the past but like as soon as he shows like they have right as soon as he shows up it's like perfect this they were always meant to do something like this together did he just swap out with bill no, you know who actually did swap out with Bill is Steve Carell. Bill Murray came down with COVID before uh, the production began, and they uh, had Steve Carell join the cast. Steve was good. Yeah, Steve's Steve really good. In it. Yeah,
0: Steve maybe want, want to actually visit Asteroid City and those <laughs> venues. But that is Asteroid City out in theaters now. I mean, you give it a glowing review, you would definitely yeah. say this is an
1: opening weekend
0: movie for people to watch.
1: Absolutely, look for it wherever you can.
0: And we'll be having uh, an after-credits, so catch it, so that we can go full spoilers uh, very, very soon. For sure. The next movie that we have is, you know, just like these two combined. <laughs> no Hard Feelings is <laughs> the newest movie starring Jennifer Lawrence and a 19-year-old kid uh, that is pretty much... A lot of people were reminding me about Failure to Launch. I completely forgot what the premise of that movie was. It's just this, again, but with Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey... And no one cared when that movie came out in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. This movie comes out in the 2000s. It's a hit. No, there's no other way to put it, Zach. This movie comes out at that time, and no one would care about the premise. Uh, It released in the wrong time. And look, there are certain complaints that I think are kind of goofy when it comes to it. Because I've heard people like, you know, obviously it is a woman who is hired by these very rich parents to honestly sleep with their kid, right? Yeah. And she needs a car. He needs to, I don't know, come out of his shell before college. There you go. And, right? And at the end of it all, um, it was interesting to see people have that problem with the age gap. But nobody had that problem with the age gap when she was winning an Academy Award <laughs> for Silver Linings Playbook, where it right? is way bigger than that, right? She's I'll... just honored DiCaprio run.
1: Yeah, how Honestly. much things have changed in ten years, I guess. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it's bogus to me. When we were growing up, they would have just said the kid is seventeen years old and done with done away with it. You know, like they, wait, they went ahead to call him nineteen too. Yeah, like he he's he somehow like in, uh, just graduated high school, off to college, and doesn't have a driver's license but he's 19 in this movie like that definitely t- sounds like a, a revision to me and Easily. it's also like these are fictional characters like who, like I, I feel i need i feel like we all need to just to suspend about it. our disbelief a little bit more like i know that we're only used to doing it for like superheroes and fantasy worlds but we can yeah. do it in comedies too guys come yeah. on um, get this they are losers.
0: I don't know why we started coming in thinking that they're, they're, they're saints and popes. And I don't know. They are losers. Like, yeah.
1: you are not supposed to mimic what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like she's literally selling selling herself to get access to a car, and I think like it's also... It's not like, a role model. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like it'd be one thing if it's like, oh, it's like a Lamborghini. It's a Buick, you know. Like it's she's a. a <laughs> and I, I, that's one thing that I almost wish the movie leaned into more. I kind of wish she was a little bit more of a dirtbag. I wish the movie was maybe a little bit oh. meaner. I think I would have. Found I think it, it was. I think it, I would have found it funnier if it went further with it. There's I moments. Agree with you. There's moments like I think the beach fight, which I don't want to spoil, even though I see a lot of people yeah, spoiling, everyone's it just
0: spoiling it already. Yeah.
1: Like I think the beach fight is a great moment, and I think the movie kind of needed three or four moments, more moments like that, of just being raunchy, of just being a little over the top, and, and like it feels a little bit like they're they're trying to not go over the, the line in different places. Man. Look, you had mentioned right now how they kind
0: of rewrote it, right? Because you're right now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm seeing some people say that they don't have their licenses. Come on. If you ain't living in New York, get your license. Um, (laughs) But other than that, the timing in this movie is a type of timing that I've been wanting from a comedy for a long time. We were talking about the blackening. I love the subject matter. I like the writing in the blackening. Man, they needed it to be tighter. The mm. editing just lingers. There are certain lines here where they just they just leave it, they'll do a punching, they're on to the next scene. You could yes. laugh over the exterior shot of the house <laughs> like we're set up the next moment. Not just linger on the conversation that's being had. Dude, it is, it is edited so tightly. And I know they could have gotten further with that. I, yeah. Uh, one of the other things I was adding to about how, you know, people aren't really reviewing the movie as much as they're like, Can I be the moral police this week for what it needs to be? (laughs) Nothing is funnier than going from, like, what she's doing is so inappropriate. He's socially awkward. You can't do that with a kid with autism. Can I say autism? Does he have autism? Is this me now being a moron who's now adding something just to make it something that it's not? People can be socially awkward and not be on the spectrum. Right. The moment you have people defending it in that way, you realize, like, they don't really care about it at all. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of
1: people... There's a lot of people who just, like, project onto movies like this.
0: Yeah, they're, they're just trying to have whatever they're, they're, whatever it is to fight for the week. Um, now, I'm not going to be over here overly defending the movie either, but I think that right. if this would have been made earlier, no one would have had a problem with it. Uh, I think Jennifer Lawrence is really funny in the role. I think it sucks that a lot of people, uh, you know, are kind of adding elements to her. There was this whole article in, in um, uh, Rollout about how she had to fire all of her managers because they were kind of trapping her into roles that she didn't want to do. Yeah. And, you know, she did Castaway, right? If, not Castaway. Uh, Causeway. Causeway. And that may have not been the biggest hit, but, it, you know, it was an indie darling. You have Oscar this movie. Nominated. Still Oscar nominated. Yeah. She's finally taking these roles that she claimed she wasn't able to do in the past because her managers were kind of holding her tightly. I've made several videos of Jennifer Lawrence in the past. I love Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Everyone who hated me for those videos, well, look at that. Turns out I was kind of right about uh, the way that her stuff was being managed for the most part. You talked about a certain fight sequence in this and certain other moments that happen in this movie. And it sucks that people aren't letting her be an actress who's being funny. Yeah. Oh, she stooped down to this role. It Have is you watched, an
1: actor. <laughs> Have you ever watched the Jennifer Lawrence interview? This is like how she is. This is Jennifer how Lawrence she acts. Is
0: hysterical.
1: Like, I think in if, real you, life. if you see any interview with, interview with her and then you see this movie, you can tell that this is kind of her sense of humor. Like, she's a goofball. Easily. And this is a goofy movie, and and frankly, she's like pretty great in it. It's a shame that we live in an era where like this isn't being asked of our movie stars very much anymore. Like it back, like embarrass th- yourself. Was, yes, yeah, this was par for the course when like Goldie Hawn was a star, or even like a Julia Roberts would do some wacky comedies from, to, from time to time. And it's just kind of not something we ask of our young stars anymore. I also think that the young boy does a really good job. There's this one sequence where yeah. they're at a bar
0: and, like, firecrackers or something goes off. His physical comedy is mm-hmm. impeccable. It just made me laugh so freaking hard, dude. I also think some of the other supporting cast who they have, there's some secret cameos that, that come up that are also kind of playing on the storyline. I don't know why people go to comedies thinking that it's a message at a church. But they, they make fun of the idea of two people. Trying to be together at such a young age. Um, but Natalie and her her boyfriend, I thought they had really good banter. There's this one yeah. bit where they're talking about uh, they're looking for a 20-year-old. And she goes, eh, 20. <laughs> and there's this whole age bit that she does with the parents. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of funny moments in the movie. I think once it comes out on streaming and people can enjoy it in the privacy of their own homes, they may not tweet about it. They may not post about it. But I can guarantee you, you won't sit through this movie without having one moment mm-hmm. where you will crack up. And I think that's all you can ask for for
1: a comedy. I liked that you compared the movie to Licorice Pizza on Letterboxd because uh, they're both movies about uh, the age gap being this thing that brings like they're able to see a different side of themselves through somebody that's experiencing a different part of life. And I'm just, you know, I hope the people who are really concerned trolling about Licorice Pizza go see this movie and maybe you'll see what that movie was trying to do.
0: I knew that it would only be you who understood that I wasn't just talking about the basic premise of an older yeah. woman, younger guy, but that it was literally the same themes that they have in Licorice Pizza. We should host a podcast together. together. We should host a podcast together. <laughs> would you see this in theaters? Uh, would you recommend people to see this in theaters?
1: You know, I think if this was 1999 and I had, you know, already seen American Pie recently, I, I'm I'm doing the wrong year. It's, let's go to 2002. Um I would say, nah, you you don't need to. But like in the year 2023, when we don't get a lot of comedies like this, it was like a huge breath of fresh air to just go to a theater and smile at a movie for an hour and a half and not have to worry about the multiversal implications of the five sequels that are coming after this one. Like this is just like a good old fashioned time at the movies. It may not be the funniest film out there, but she's really radiant in it. It's, it's, she's one of our great movie stars and we haven't seen her in this mode. So I think that alone is worth the price of admission. You do like the prequel, though. <laughs> what are oh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the... Uh, I think that's more of a sequel, if we're being honest.
0: I guess you're right, because it would be older, for sure. Uh, out of all the comedies that we do have coming out, I know feelings. we have Joyride yeah. uh, right on the horizon. It's going to be coming out in July, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, this is another very raunchy comedy. Uh, I don't yeah. see this being any more raunchier Oh, well, maybe a little bit. Then some of the stuff that we've been getting recently. On top of Joyride, we also have strays. And it's almost like as long as you could do the same abhorrent things. Oh but it's a cute little dog. Then it's okay. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna be very interested to see how these get received because some of these have already had screenings and people are loving it. So it's like yeah. you could be belligerent, just you know, not if you're you not if you were in the Hunger Games. Not if we- you were in a
1: big franchise. We haven't had a chance to see Strays yet, but we have seen Joyride, and we've also seen the Rachel Sennett, Emma Seligman, Iowa Mm. Debris film Bottoms, which is coming out uh, in late August, I believe. Good comedies. Yeah, we've seen like the raunchy sex comedies of the summer. Would you put No Hard Feelings above either of the ones we got at South by Southwest?
0: Uh, No, I I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think the jokes hit harder in these other movies same but i think that no hard feelings i'll give it because of how tight the ensemble is because it's really just the two of them right whereas Mm -hmm. here you do have several other characters um i think it's the most tightly edited i think there is there is less space for missed jokes and no hard feelings but -hmm. these other movies hit harder to me bottoms i I know for you this was the standout for me i think this has the best quality of jokes for me joyride had the most amount of jokes but which also means the most misses um and then we haven't seen strays yet but i'm trying to think of what else came out um you wouldn't consider uh the new girl what's his name
1: which one new girl new girl
0: the guy from new girl jake johnson oh oh you're talking about self-reliance self-reliance
1: yeah, I mean, that one I don't think has a distributor yet, so I don't know if I want to put oh, it in like, the summer movie discussion. I'm in um, a different
0: t- timeline. Okay, my bad. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, out of all those movies that we've, we have on the horizon, I, look, I think they're all solid. I think they all hit yeah. the different sides of comedy level. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good summer. I, I see uh, someone in the chat even mentioning Down Low. That's another one that just, t- that one, to me, takes it to the next level. And yeah. out of all of them, that would be my favorite. So totally. um, I do have a twisted sense of humor, but as long as the humor is centered in something real, that's all that matters to me. And I think No Hard Feelings, as much controversy as it's had, I think the people complaining about it do agree with the message of the movie.
1: Yeah, so. and it, it is kind of like a sweet rom-com at its center, even if it, it's kind of like looks and acts a bit like a raucous sex comedy. So, yeah. it, you know, it's it's a good time. And I'd pre- I would maybe put it like below bottoms, but about the same level as Joyride.
0: Interesting, okay. Uh, another one that I mentioned to Zach, it's over on Netflix. In case you didn't want to go <laughs> out to the theater, The Perfect Find, which actually was a Tribeca release. Uh, I did not realize that until I was looking through the dates, and I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, this is actually, you know, shout out to, uh, um, what is this website called? Letterbox for <laughs> kind of now having this new release date on there. And, yeah, it premiered at Tribeca. It is now on Netflix. <laughs> Same premise. A woman comes back after going through a very nasty divorce and falls in love with a much younger man who may or may not be the son of the woman she's working for. So, (laughs) in case you wanted a more corporate version of it with the ages just up a little bit, the age gap in here is way crazier than the other one. And it has an insane ending that I was not expecting to happen in a movie. But, uh, yeah, you do have the Netflix version of this at home in case you wanted to complain about something else or, I don't know, watch another version of it. Perfect find over on Netflix. But now, we move in. To it as easily my pick of the week. I know you love Asteroid City, but FX is the bear season two has to be the best thing that is out right now, dude. I absolutely love it. Zach knows that I don't binge things that much. Mm -hmm. I savor it. So when I'm talking to Zach, and he's talking about savoring it, I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) we switched roles here. But the bear was one I had to consume all at once. I took all ten courses.
1: Ate it while it's Back to back
0: to back. Oh, my God. Someone had asked, is it better than season one? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> There's, it's so good. They complement each other so well. It is setting up a third season in the most beautiful way possible. This is such an in-depth story where you realize things in season two that answers things in season one that you didn't even think there was a question to be asked there because it just informs these characters so well. The performances, the comedy, the tension, and of course the food. It goes all out in season two. If you are not watching The Bear, watch The Bear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is showcasing Chicago in the most beautiful way. It's showcasing other places that they go to uh, because I know you're still missing a couple. I don't think they – I don't want to get into any spoilers of where they visit. But there is like just culinary classes that are happening in different locations. Every character gets the ability to be able to showcase themselves in a way where it's not – you know when like like different characters all have the same type of punchlines because they're written by the same writer and it's like but <laughs> those aren't character? You know, I do not want to say the phrase, but okay, <laughs> yes. This does a great job that when it has an episode for a character, it doesn't stray so far off. Mm-hmm. But the needle drops are formed to that character. The cinematography is formed for those characters, and it makes them feel so real and alive. And there is an episode in this that I got spoiled half of the cameos. <laughs> and we're still surprised by half of the cameos. Do yeah. not spoil you. They're already talking about it in the, in the comments right here. Episode 6 is incredible. I love a series where they don't care to go 30 minutes, 35, 40, an hour, back to 30, 30, 30. It is the best show out right now. Do yourself a favor. It's streaming on Hulu. Zach, what have you thought so far about the appetizer that you've eaten?
1: <laughs> I mean I'm I'm 7 of the 10 in so I, I think I've oh, that's, cons- that yeah that's I, a- I've consumed a decent portion of the meal you just at dessert. least. Exactly. Uh leaving and it's myself tart. <laughs> <laughs> leaving myself a little bit at, for after the meal. Um but like it's it's just been incredible I, I can't disagree with anything you said it's it's one of the one of the best, maybe the best show on TV right now and I, I think more than most shows it has this ability to drop in a new character or drop you into a new situation and that situation just feels so lived in and real and like, like you know you don't need more than like one or two lines of dialogue from some of these people to have like a full Picture of who they are. Um, not going to spoil some of the bigger cameos that come later later in the season, but pretty early we get uh, a rare Molly Gordon <laughs> appearance, and she Rock. just like so completely is on the vibe of the show immediately. It, it's just like a legendary kind of mute cute-ish sort of scene that doesn't stray from the tone of the show while adding this new kind of romantic element to it that wasn't there before. You know, uh we we started this conversation by talking like, is this show better in its second season than the first? And I think that almost ignores that the show is evolving in its well, for, second season. Say yes. That that first season is, that first season is is like tension. It's it's Uh, High intensity it's it's just like a battle in the kitchen for for like uh, Supremacy and for Dictating the philosophy right? It's this tug of war between different people who have a different vision of what uh, this restaurant can be. And season two is almost more of like an inspirational sports drama of watching the team come together and learning their skills and, and seeing as like the Shout ideas evolve. There's this really, yeah, there, there's all the Mike Shevsky stuff that they layer in there too. But I think for me, like one of the highlights so far was there's this bit where you're following uh, Ayo Debris' character as she tries to come up with a a menu item and the way that they're able to visualize the artistic creative process and how, and how like the pains that she goes through in order to achieve something that she thinks is worthwhile. Like the show, it doesn't fit into like a neat, uh, three act pattern. It allows for messiness and for some failures to happen along the way, but it's so good at getting you to be behind these characters and rooting for them and just wishing that that the best outcome will happen, even if you know that like ultimately they're human and, and they may not like get there in a neat path. I'm just so in love with the writing on the show, the the way it's put together. Um, I, you know, one thing that is. Notably different, I would say, in the second season is where, whereas season one really feels like you're immersed in the restaurant, this one is taking more time to kind of give you the side character uh, story or give you a little bit of backstory that makes Carmi's whole, like, anxiety and tortured uh, brain make sense. Um, and, and I kind of, well you know, while I really enjoy spending time at the restaurant, I also really enjoy getting to dive deeper into these relationships and into these people. So okay. it's hard for me to compare season one and season two other than in quality where they're both just stellar. And I, and I don't know if I can pick a favorite.
0: They complement each other well. They do. Um, like you were saying, it's, you, you realize all that tension in the kitchen stemmed from the tension that they had at the family dinner table. Uh, you had mentioned the episode with Aya, which I was just jotting down every single possible restaurant she was visiting before, <laughs> was they, popped, ask, before they, do, they closed do down have to, as uh, well. we to do
1: a Bear Season 2 tour?
0: Oh, my goodness, dude. And I walk by a couple of those places as well, and I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go and uh, test it out. I <laughs> wish I had the, uh, the, the kitchen tours like she was able to have, but mm. um, uh, Cousin has an episode. Where you really get to be informed on his character and it just, he knocks it out of the park. You were mm-hmm. talking about uh, the creative side of it. I love seeing people learn on camera. I've said this before. And the episodes with Marcus being able to take his passion with a, a stellar freaking cameo, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who's assisting him and the idea of not being yelled at for your curiosity. For the you know the the mistakes that you may be making, but allowing you the freedom to be able to correct, make a mistake, and then learn from it is beautiful. I am one not to get all preachy about it, but I feel like we don't see that a lot in movies, and we definitely don't see that a lot in real life. Most of us, I feel, learn things because someone made a mistake and someone quote tweeted to dunk on a person, <laughs> and it's kind of ruining how we learn because yeah. I think people assume that that's what you that's how you learn by someone else's demise, and I see that a lot. In, a, in many ways. And this show that th- that a lot of people off of season one felt was like yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Teaches you these little like tiny things on how to approach things. Not that things aren't going to be hard, right? But that you can approach it with somebody else and not overstep those boundaries. Uh, I I think the whole show's is an outcome.
1: The way the show kind of is willing to embrace failure as part of the process of learning is, is really radical in, in the mm-hmm. scheme of television right now. And I, I just... I love that so much. I, I really just tre- cherish the show so much, um, and and you know what? I, I love Taylor Swift too, but Daddy just needs a break. <laughs> that, that was really good. Did you see Rami directed an episode? Yeah, good for good for Rami when that came up in the title card, I was so happy. We bu-
0: Alina, Alina and I yelled it at the same time. We we're like, yeah. what? And then he's going to be in the Yorgos movie. Shout out him. Shout out Mm -hmm. everybody involved. It's really good. Go to Mr. Beef. They're they're serving it fresh. It's hot. It's really good. Uh, Everybody involved here. I I don't want to scroll too too much in order to spoil it. But FX is the bear. Easily, easily, easily. So good. It is coming up as another pick of the week for me, specifically for that one episode. Because there is a guest star that I am banking all the way. I may not have agreed on other awards, but I agree on this upcoming awards cycle for this actor. I will say. Um, yeah. Just absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, we're going to be talking more about the bear. Uh, if you have any other thoughts, your your favorites, your favorite characters, your favorite episodes, your favorite restaurants that you think that they should visit, hit us up down below. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to visit all that. Give us some uh, from Chicago. Give us some from New York, because I've been listening to a bunch of interviews with uh, Carmi. What's his name? Jeremy. and
1: yep. Jeremy Allen
0: he, he He's got some spots over in Brooklyn. It's making my list get bigger and <laughs> bigger, bigger let's all, do it. all the
1: time um, I'll, I'll make some reservations in September easily dude,
0: uh, some of the other episodes of TV that are out we kind of made some mentions of them in the past so we'll just go quickly with them, Secret Invasion uh, Zach's new favorite show from the <laughs> Disney Plus series look, there is the AI talk I think people need to understand that one Spider-Verse is doing it too I read through the Elemental Notes what they call it an Elemental? It's not AI, Alina. It's... It's machine learning. They slick. <laughs> Nothing lies to you more than when they don't even want to say AI because they've tested the waters. Okay, people don't like that one. Let's call it um, advanced learning machine. A lot of these movies are using AI more than you think. Secret Invasion was dumb enough to just tell you up front... <laughs> I don't think that's the worst part of the show. I mm. don't. Uh, I, I need you to see it because I need you to see what they're doing politically, which is so <laughs> goofy. And these Marvel shows do not have any. Some, what, what's the phrase? Uh, see. <clears throat> um, visual, computing, it is visual computing, machine learning. Kind of like when you're like, is this have high fructose corn syrup? And you they, they're like hiding it behind a different name or whatever. That's the <laughs> new thing for AI for these people. Yeah. Uh, Secret Invasion has also kind of um, forced a bunch of marketing. I don't know if you caught that this morning. There is a slew of scrolls appearing in the news, but it's only news run by ABC <laughs> <laughs> so they had a cameraman as they were cutting to a commercial break that was a scroll for no reason they were reporting something outside a courthouse and a scroll passed by boy they think they're smile I I'm not vibing with it I wanted to yeah. it's really corny Zach you have to watch it just because we need to have a discussion about this um, <laughs> that's really all I have to say about secret invasion I don't know if you have any other thoughts from the are outside are you past
1: episode one have they sent us more than yeah that? I-, I saw two do I, I have to two. watch both, or can I just watch
0: one? You no, know, you're gonna watch all. What is it? Ugh. Five, seven, six,
1: bro. Ugh. You're gonna have
0: to watch all six here. Okay. Um, seems like the Marvel fans yeah. still like it, but I, I, I don't see it. I don't get it. But the production's there, I guess. Really good cast. Yeah. A lot
1: of yeah. a lot of actors. That's Do a- you like the uh, mid journey looking opening credits that you were talking about with that uh, AI art? Do, does it <laughs> does it feel like it fits thematically as they? have asserted in the interviews. Y'all realize that
0: if it wasn't AI, you could still complain about how ugly it looks just like a lot of the other human-made ugly ones that they made. That's where we get the conversation confused. Oh, it's AI, now I can belittle it. What if it wasn't disclosed that it was AI? Until like episode three, y'all would've looked really dumb not complaining about it. I'll leave that there for another time. Uh, once it all wraps, I'm sure we'll do a discussion of it, but Zach, you don't have to worry about it until July 26th So, <laughs> uh, come August, you do, right. you, we do need to watch it only because it's going to lead up to everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, is I'm a Virgo, which we've mentioned at South by. Um, it was our picks of the week for last week. It is. It is so goofy, dude. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wrapped it up this weekend, and I know that Boots Riley isn't everybody's cup of tea, but I think there's so much flavor to the cups that he brings to the table. And yeah. I vibe with it. I don't love it more than something like Sorry to Bother You, but I like mm-hmm. that he was able to expand this world even further. And it felt like his version of a comic book come to life, you know? Uh, the same way that like uh, Unbreakable was able to have that like Mr. Glass type of mentality in where he was kind of aware of the comic persona that he was, I'm a Virgil takes that ten levels further. It is, there is a character in this, because I don't think you've gone this far, where he doesn't, in the building that he owns... He doesn't take the elevator? The tower moves for him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, that's I'll leave the thing. There. Like, with Boots, I, I, you know, I can see why some people might not respond to his style because it is, like, a very big and loud style. He, he's, you know, he's very, like, forward with his with his ideas. It's not, like, baked into stuff. It is the text of the thing. But I just love it, man. I love how bold it is. I love how aggressive it is. I love how creative in every scene it is. And, you know, I'd, I'd take a thousand Boots Riley projects over like most things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing up the season. I'm enjoying what I've seen so far.
0: For sure. Um, the last one that we have here is Hijacked, a new one from yeah. Apple TV Plus that I believe starts
1: streaming this week, weekly. Yeah, I think it's Wednesday it drops, something like that. Uh, The Idris Elba-led action thriller.
0: Tell me more about it. I haven't started this yet, but I've been seeing the commercials like crazy every time I I go on the TV.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of feels like it's in the mode of a 24 or something like that. If you remember the uh, Jack Bauer-led series, or uh, Kiefer Sutherland, I guess I should say, led led series uh, from the early aughts. He became the character exactly um this is about a plane that's hijacked on a seven hour flight from dubai to london and the sort of negotiations going on in sort of like a ticking clock kind of fashion and the entire show takes place during this flight so it's not like uh, it, it, you know it's it's really taking its time rather than uh getting to the conclusion and that's interesting um, okay yeah uh and and um among the like twists that are there, Idris Elba is a uh, is a hostage a negotiator um. who then starts sort of working alongside the hijackers to, in order to try and uh, get you know make sure that he makes it out of the scenario so alive. So there's lots of like layers to deception and double crossing and you know uh, dynamics in play between the different agencies responsible and and people who. Uh, Who end up getting roped in to the the uh, intrigue? I guess you could say without spoiling too much of it. I I found it to be pretty compelling in like the serialized TV drama uh, way that shows like that are. It's not necessarily like the most um, beat for beat tense. Uh, action thriller, but in like a in like a network TV kind of way, it's satisfying, and Idris Elba okay. is really dynamic at the center of it. I think just like it finds new, it finds lots of fun ways to kind of layer in new complications, and it kept me. I I, I was pretty intrigued by the first couple of episodes. It's not uh, necessarily going to be competing for my best TV of the year list, but like I will recommend it to some people. All
0: right. I'm curious to start it. I also have all the episodes as well. And just as this week, bro, I've been rocking that Tetris shirt that we got from South By. Yeah. It's so, I, dude, I love the colors to this. But they have that smack dab Apple TV, so I'm walking around like a billboard. <laughs> but at the same time, I always got my AirPods on, so I'm like a mini fanboying for the Apple stuff. But, right. like, hey, Max doesn't know what they're doing. You've been the one who went on record saying Apple TV has the ability to be the new HBO and someone has to be since they dropped it off of their name over there. So the uh, newest one from Apple TV, uh, I'll be catching up on that one. Some other stuff that we had from Tribeca, which we'll, I think we should save because there's a couple more that we were able to do. Um, mm-hmm. While they're still wrapping up the online coverage, I went in and just binged a bunch. But I just want to give one mention. Cypher. Yeah. I liked it. That's it. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it's it. We'll it, have right? to do. We'll, dude, it's so good, bro. Right. <laughs> you tell me she was hiding things within the movie. It's, I'm gonna it's leave real it good there. it's so fantastic I've been listening to her on repeat because her songs are like freaking 55 seconds long but the <laughs> Tribeca dispatch overall it's gonna have to be done on intercut later on in the week um, Let's do it. because there's a bunch of other stuff to catch uh, but we do have some news that I want to cover before we wrap up our picks for the week and then get into some other recordings we're gonna be doing later today including our patreon hangout so I would say shout out to patrons before we talk about some of the movie news that we have this week.
1: Yeah, let's uh, give a quick shout-out to those intercuties who are doing us a solid and contributing as little as $1 a month to help keep this show going. Help us know that you uh, like what we do and also that you want to, like, get a little bit of the insight on what's going on behind the scenes. So shout-out to uh, Academy-level members like Tushar and Cademan and Connor and Josh, May, and Ricky, and... Uh, as well as Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. Wait, let me get the graphic up on the screen, our beautiful patron graphic as well. Uh, Where is it? Uh, Hey! Boom, boom. And then of course the biggest Intercut thanks goes out to those producer level patrons Veer, Sam, and Wiley. Shout out to all of you. Shout out to the Intercutie Plus patrons as well. Uh, you can become a member over on Patreon.com/IntercutPod, and you get lots of cool patron benefits like access to er- Intercut episode outlines before we get to rec- before we record those episode, uh, access to private channels in the Intercut Discord where we chat throughout the week with y'all. Uh, you get access to some of our brackets and stuff before we publish them help us decide what movies go on the a24 bracket What movie stars go on the best movie stars 50 and older bracket? We'd love consulting y'all on what the future episodes of the show will be we held a vote over uh, What our next bracket will be in, in a recent patron vote so all that stuff helps us decide what you want to see on the show and you can Be part of it for as little as $1 a month over on patreon.com slash intercut pod including our monthly patron Google meetings where we get together with the patrons, the next one of which is happening later tonight, around 9 p.m. Eastern, so not too late to join in on the fun. Anything we got to discuss with the patrons tonight, Arturo? Uh, What movies we need to watch
0: before we film our so far of the year, because I went and I started compiling a bunch, Yeah. and uh, yeah, I got a whole binge-worthy a binge worth of stuff to make before our midway. We've seen a lot, mm-hmm. but there's never an end to it. <laughs> I'll put it
1: to you that way. Yeah, maybe we need to take a poll amongst the inner cuties and see what their favorite of the year is, and uh, we'll feature that on our best of the year videos as well. For sure. All
0: right, Sounds good. Uh, should we get into some movie news? Yeah, there's a couple of new things that have happened this weekend uh, that you need to break down to me, including this new one dealing with not our Academy, but, but that other Academy.
1: Yeah, the... Academy Awards that run the Oscars. The Academy has done uh, has decided to include new restrictions on uh, what. Uh, What films will be eligible for its top prize of Best Picture? In the past, all Mm. the movie needed to do in order to qualify for Best Picture was have a seven-day theatrical run in either New York or L.A. So that's why we got to see a lot of these movies that didn't have like a full theatrical release already get nominated for Oscars before most people had a chance to see them. Uh, The Academy's decided to expand those requirements, so now those films will have to have a seven-day theatrical run in 10 of the top 50 U.S. markets no later than 45 days after the initial release. So that means these movies are going to have to expand more quickly and more widely than I think we've seen in the past if they plan on competing for Oscars. A lot of people think this specifically is going to have an impact on Netflix's ability uh, to compete certain films. For example, something like Knives Out, which only had a one-week window in a couple cities would not have been eligible uh, for best picture under these guidelines that are starting next year. Uh, So Art, yay or nay, you think this is a good move on the Academy's part to require an expanded theatrical release for best picture contenders? Keep in mind, just best picture, not the other categories. So you could still be
0: up for uh, acting and scripts and everything, but you won't yeah, be... Yeah, foreign
1: language film would be one of the ones that probably is most affected for a rule like this, but it, it should not be subject to the rule.
0: It's mixed because I understand the difference between uh, what it takes for an independent movie to be able to get this. That's probably who it affects the most. Mm-hmm. The streamers? No offense, right? Because it's like, oh, no, put the money out on Netflix. That's not Netflix. That's yeah. when I'm not creating a good a relationship with the theaters so I don't really care about how it affects streamers I care more about how it affects independent films who may not be able to have a proper rollout because it's not just a matter of money it's also the matter of is there room you know like how many theaters can actually play you when there's a bunch of blockbusters in the way when there's a bunch of other bigger movies that are now blockbusters and contenders you know like Dune Barbie like all of these are now considered Oppenheimer are now considered big movies uh, that, that are in contention for Best Picture as well. It's not just mm-hmm. the English patients anymore. Um, all of the, the tinier independent movies are coming up against a $100 million budgets now for Best Picture, um, which, you know, that that's how it was in the 50s and the 60s before it went to a lot of more uh, smaller dramas. So uh, I think it will affect how people distribute and eventually ripple down to uh, what they're putting out, you know? Um, if they're looking to get these awards... Um, at the end of it all, don't th- doesn't the Academy just stream them all in the Academy library so does it doesn't really yeah, matter? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. If it helps theaters, I guess that, that's a positive for it, but for the Academy, I don't, I don't really see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like that it's going to force particularly streamers to maybe take theatrical a little more seriously. You know, Netflix, places As like they that. As they have the, They have the means to get their films in theaters. It's just a matter of actually negotiating with an AMC or a Regal or what have you. Okay. Um, and when it comes to those indies, like... There will be some films that may- maybe don't have the financial backing to, you know, get in as many theaters as is needed for the requirement. But I feel like a lot of those films aren't really films that get nominated for Best Picture anyway. Best Picture tends to be these films from bigger studios and even like the A24s and Neons of the world. It's not so much the like the oscilloscopes or even like the IFC films. And But it's uh, not helping. It certainly won't won't help.
0: But A24 I, I think... got in there because those people were bank people. As much as everybody loves A24, they were bank people who worked for other studios, and now they're here.
1: Right. And and I just think, like, if... You know, I think if we want to expand the field to include more independent films, there's other moves that are going to have to be made that are not about the theatrical requirement. It's going to be maybe like forcing some kind of viewing requirement on Academy voters or things like that. Um, So I don't really mind this deal so much. I think ultimately it is, like you said, something that's going to help theater owners actually get their movies into more, uh, get more movies in theaters for a longer time. Yeah. Yeah, have that commitment and it's going to help people like us who want to see these movies on a big screen and, you know, often find that they get yanked before we have a really good chance to. Mm -hmm. So I I like the move. I I think maybe we'll find some negative consequences in the future. But I think for for the most part, it's a good idea.
0: We both agree, though. Stunts category. It's overdue. Well, did you see the uh, Chad Stahelski thing? I did. Yeah, he said that in talks. He says it's close. Yeah, hopefully. I'll, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Uh this HBO thing. Zach, if you've been an inner cutie, you have heard mm-hmm. us say that it's was only going to be a matter of time breakdown uh how wonder brothers has embarrassed themselves this weekend.
1: Yeah, so let's like rewind uh maybe 10ish years to when Netflix was still the young upstart and all these big networks didn't know any better, but they but to license their hit shows to Netflix. Netflix grows into the biggest of all the studios and the other streamers realize, Hey, maybe we should keep these shows for ourselves and launch our own streaming networks. And we're, we're now in the situation where we're at, where there's a million streamers and they're all fighting over their content. And none of them seems to be be, be, being that profitable. Uh, So Warner Bros is deciding to swerve back in the uh, opposite direction. They are now in talks to license, at least insecure, if not more HBO content back to netflix in a move that will hopefully i guess Yo. make them some money yes but, it will but it's also going to give netflix access to content that they didn't have for a little while the I kind of that content good that, for you bro yeah <laughs> i mean look i got netflix holdings i don't mind that but yay or nay do you think this is a david zaslav blunder oh blunder This is
0: actually the smartest thing that he's possibly done, but it's only a blunder because it's egg on his face because he claimed to want to be taking it the other way. This is a double freaking yay for me. Netflix continues to thrive the way that they did. We don't need to see all the reality content. Yeah. Focus on just the the best movies. I don't need to see so many terrible movie originals. Mm -hmm. I like you hosting things. There is an aspect of Netflix every time that I look at what's coming out where I go, finally, Puss in Boots will be on streaming this week. Missing will be on streaming. And everybody, when a movie comes out, doesn't ask, is it in theaters? Is it on VOD? They don't even ask for a specific streaming service. They say, when is it on Netflix? Yeah. And that is how the world works. And I think that um, being able to have something like Insecure on there will get more eyes on Insecure. I think it is a fantastic thing for a lot of these shows, especially with the way we're going to wrap up our last story of the week. It's funny how they all come together. The first one was about box office, right? And getting mm-hmm. more movies in theaters. To Help people go back to cinemas and also realizing, I heard some people pitch, I think we should have movies playing in cinemas for like three to six months and they're just pitching the model that we've had for so long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now you're talking about this, which is just a model that began with streaming. Yes, it is the smartest thing to have. It's goofy, but it's honestly the way that it always should have been. But people got Mm -hmm. greedy and now they got... Spanked. So, it, yes, it is embarrassing for Zaslav, but it's not the most embarrassing thing he's done because this one will actually see results. Yeah. And it's much better than cutting a movie for tax purposes, which seems like what Paramount is now doing. I thought Star Trek was one of their biggest shows. Uh, Rise of the Pink Ladies, I've heard some goofy things happen <laughs> with the production of that one. But to... <clears throat> excuse me. It's making me choked up. Yeah. To cancel them and completely remove them It creates this new debacle with streaming services because there is no VOD. There is no disks of these things. So they Mm -hmm. are essentially, unless you're a pirate, getting these completely out of circulation. And I think that is horrendous. I think that is the most embarrassing thing to do. Um, And it continues the cycle of when a, a service is so stingy that instead of marketing it out to somebody else, They'd rather just get rid of it completely, again, I'm assuming, for what David, over on HBO, Warner, started. Mm-hmm. Cut it so that you can save some money in some, I don't know, financial way in the background. I think yeah. this is goofy. I don't know if you have any pitch. The yay or nay for you is if you see this as an effective way for shows like this that you may or may not watch to keep these streaming services afloat.
1: Well, I mean, like, they, they've they obviously figured out that this is somehow financially beneficial to them. <sighs> but, like, it 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 I think... Ultimately is going to be this thing that uh, causes a divide between the executives who make these decisions and the creatives who feel burned by them. You know, we see all the guilds right now are in the middle of these intense negotiations and part of the reason why... People, the reason why a lot of these negotiations feel so dire is because people see things like this happening around the industry and, and don't feel any sense of security. Security that they'll get uh, fair jobs or security that the jobs that they actually work will amount to anything that lasts on any of these services when you know, about it. so many of them disappear and like you said, don't have a physical release to back them up. So, uh, you know, look, it, if, if it was like a financially terrible decision for them, all the streamers wouldn't be doing it, but they are all doing it. It's right? just something that I think is ultimately going to uh, not only hurt their relationship with the creatives, but hurt their relationship with regular people too. Because, you know, I saw some people who said, I signed up for Paramount because I'm a Star Trek fan. My money went specifically to try and watch this show, and now this show is not happening. So that's false marketing too. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, circling back to the first the the uh, HBO licensing insecure story. You know, for me, one of the reasons why I think it's not necessarily the best idea is because Netflix, I think, feels kind of in a more uh, tenu- tenuous position than they've been in the past. Like they don't feel like quite the dominant force as they were maybe three years ago. And a lot of that feels like because of the content that they're producing is not as compelling, not as interesting. And to uh, to give them, you know, I think I think we're going to find that if we keep eliminating the content that people find interesting, their relationship to these different streamers is not going to be as strong. They're not going to be uh, they're not going to be able to take the audiences for granted.
0: Agreed. You you can have a financial benefit, but yeah, you're losing your audience and what they care about for you. So. Yeah. Hey, it's some terrible stuff that's happening out there and... It's just shifting. It's a shifting environment that we're always covering, but we Mm -hmm. will see how it moves forward. Um, Get MoviePass, and I think everything will be solved for the most part. Uh, Other than that, let's wrap it up for our picks for the week. I'll try to go through a lot of these because we've mentioned them in the past. My top five are pretty simple. Uh, This Week in Hulu, Infinity Pool is out. I am not sure if it is the unrated cut that we got to see over at sundance but nonetheless it is a new one from brandon cronenberg who has an author go out into a resort where things go crazy and it kind of sounds like brandon just telling you his story about how he wrote something (laughs) uh over on criterion which i don't even have linked over here is the newest movie uh to get an exclusive release i saw it at chicago and i thought it was Beautiful. It is mm-hmm. it's called Godland, and it's a film that I wish was having more of a theatrical release because it is just gorgeous. This feels like the visuals that you saw uh, in The Northman, but for a priest who's traveling from place to place. Um, in order to help people, when in reality, he is the most miserable <laughs> son of a gun that there is out there. Zach, I recommend the movie. I think it's a beautiful movie. I think the performances are great. And uh, it is a trek. It is a journey. I sat to watch this in a theater, and I would recommend it to have seen it on the big screen because of the uh, landscapes that they go through. One awesome. that we caught over at Toronto, but Zach hasn't seen it yet. And I need yeah. to because I know he likes movies. I do uh, like movies. This is a film that is just filled with... With heart, dude. And it's pretty much the 17-year-old kid who wants to become a movie maker, gets a job at a uh, blockbuster-type store. Um, and just a clash of characters. The older managers who may have wanted a different career. Him, who's kind of stunted himself for other reasons as gets exposed the more that they get to know each other. Um, it's cringy in the right ways. It's heartfelt, like I said. And it, it just it, it feels like it's made... By someone who doesn't, who's truly making an independent movie just to show their passion for movies. I highly recommend this one. Hopefully, it gets a good streaming release as well, but right now it is available on VOD, so definitely check out that one. I love movies. The Bear. When I was looking yeah. through it, this was sitting at a 9.9. I am specifically talking about that Fishers episode. I know some people will take forever to watch something, but I'm telling you right now, you need to see this episode treated as a short film. Watch the whole thing, watch the whole thing. But if you have to only pick one because you're in a busy schedule, maybe you got a busier schedule than Molly or the bear people in the show, you need to watch Fishes. Do not spoil those cameos. I will not scroll down. It is incredible. This one even ends with a title card that doesn't even say the bear if you pay yeah. close attention. <laughs> it changes the title of the show. I I'll leave it. it at that. Episode uh, 6 in Season 2 yeah. of The Bear. And then uh, we're going through some recaps of uh, what we think people should have on the radars for midway through the year. Return to Soul is my pick.
1: Yeah. A, beautiful. A, amazing movie. That's one that I haven't had a chance to share with uh, with Caitlin or my family, but I, I really oh, want bro, bro, them bro, to bro, catch up yes. with it. It's Very such good. a beautiful movie.
0: Definitely check that one out. Zach, what do you got?
1: Yeah, so in the spirit of it being almost halfway through 2023, I wanted to shout out a few different movies that I think have flown under the radar, and maybe you should keep them on, on in mind if you're assembling a best of the year so far list or just trying to catch up on the best that uh, is – out there for a couple different streaming services as well. This one not available on streaming yet, uh, but... Oh, did I put the long, wrong link? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah um, you just were
0: thinking about Hijack as well. Hijack, I, I'm just Hijack. I'm so
1: obsessed with Idris Elba. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my first pick is one that's available on VOD. We gave it a quick little shout-out last week, but I'll include it as one of my picks this week. It's Beautiful. Rice Boy Sleeps, another film that uh, I saw back at TIFF last year, a <laughs> uh, story of you know, this uh, Asian-American family and the, the coming, sort of like, coming to grips with, uh, you know, being being caught between cultures almost. And I think it just has some of the most true tender scenes about that sort of like adolescent angst at not having a place to, that you fit in. I also just really love a lot of the early scenes in the film where uh, his mother is sort of trying to guide him uh, in, into uh, into different things. I, I think it's a, a film full of excellent performances, particularly uh, Choi Sung-yoon is the, as the mother is so heartbreaking in this movie. Uh, it just really worked on me. There's a lot of films that I think we get that are these kind of like uh, intimate, personal perspectives on growing up as somebody who feels different. But this is one of the ones that really excelled for me. And it's shot. Mm-hmm. Gorgeously as well. So, immaculate. uh, Yeah, let's give a shout out to Rice Boy Sleeps on VOD over on Hulu. We've talked about it a bunch this year, but not for a couple months, I think. So, one more shout out to Rye Lane. One of the funniest films of the year, one of the most delightful films of the year, a film full of color and fun little bits and performances and little jokes that slide underneath your radar. And I don't know. um, I really love this movie. It's a great debut from uh, the filmmaker. And it's also like a great showcase for its young stars as well. So it's just one of the easiest watches I've had all year, and I'm hoping more people catch up with it. So check out Rye Lane if you're looking for something great on Hulu. If you are, like me, an Apple TV plus junkie, uh, check out one of the best documentaries of the year. Still a Michael J. Fox movie, which we caught back at Sundance. Just a remarkably edited film that takes a look at Michael J. Fox's life. And his struggles with Parkinson's, but also contextualizes so much of that through use of clips from his career, whether it's his film work or his TV work. They do such an amazing job of kind of echoing his feelings, his sentiment, his diary entries through the work that he was able to do. Uh, I think it's just such a beautifully put together film and such a raw look at this huge talent, this huge star who has lived a pretty remarkable and singular life. Um, I I was very, very moved by this one. I I saw it in line in in the mountains of Utah and it still brought a tear to my eye, but actually getting a chance to sit down with it in my living room uh, months later, it it worked so much better. I really love this one.
0: Best editing of the year, Doc or not, just overall.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Another film we caught at Sundance that is just now getting its release on Max, The Stroll. This is a documentary that takes a look at New York's meatpacking industry from the perspective of trans sex workers who live and work there. I think it's a really really beautifully told, intimate uh, perspective. Uh, on this community and uh, just the different things they have to deal with. Uh, And and one that also has like a bit of a, a bit of like a, you know, toehold in its location by being so centered around uh, New York as well. I know this is one you caught in Sundance as well because uh, it was, we kept comparing it to Kokomo City, which I think we both uh, preferred a little bit. That one's still not out yet, although I think it's coming soon.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but this is another one that I think is really solid uh, documentary that um, I'm hoping people get a chance to catch up with on Max. Great. Uh, and then my last pick for this week I uh, just kidding. not keep it with the Sundance theme. It's on Peacock. Check out 1001. A really beautiful story uh, about this mother raising a child in New York City in the 90s. I'm sticking with these New York City stories, I guess. You just, um, you like <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one that just really is like, in, it really like grabs you uh, in your emotions. You know, it, it just feels so... Uh, feels so moving and so hopeful, but also gutting in different spots. It's centered around this really effective performance from Tiana Taylor. Uh, who is so naturalistic like it's it almost feels like it's not acting she's so natural in this role Uh, I I thought she's remarkable in it I think the film is is really effective and also just like very subtly beautiful we've talked in the the past about uh, how the the costuming and the hair design it all really puts you in the time and place in a way that's transport feels transportational uh, but also, it's that excellent, excellent score from Gary Gunn uh, that I loved as well. So, yeah, 1001. I think it's one of the gems that slipped through the cracks from 2023 so far. For sure.
0: Uh, going back to the mall, Infinity Pool out on Hulu if you want something really demented. I still prefer Possessor, but Infinity Pool is just as good from Brandon Cronenberg. Godland over on the Criterion channel. I wish this was in theaters, but nonetheless, give it a watch. Some beautiful cinematography. I like movies. It's. It's exactly as the title says uh, out on VOD and the episode fishes. I hope there's not a... Oh, thank goodness. I, I was <laughs> I was worried they were going to showcase somebody uh, who <laughs> made a cameo in this one. Uh, but just really all two seasons of The Bears. I recommend it again. And then my uh, shout-out for the midway of the year, Return to Soul. Zach has?
1: Uh, Rice Boy Sleeps, which is available on VOD, an extremely effective coming-of-age story about feeling like an outsider. I thought it was really authentic and beautifully told. Uh, Ry Lane, one of the most delightful films of 2023 so far, is available on Hulu great performances and just a great vibe overall still a Michael J Fox story on Apple TV plus immaculately edited and just like a beautiful way to represent Michael J Fox's life and career the stroll on max an extremely effective and intimate documentary that transports you to the lives of other people And then 1001 on Peacock, just one of the most beautifully told uh, dramas of the year with a great performance from Tiana Taylor at its center.
0: Easily. That's all for this jam packed week of intercut here on the weekend watch list giving you all of our must watches all the good stuff as we lead into what's going to be a really jam-packed summer like we said to the patrons a big shout out to y'all we are going to be doing uh patron hangout right after this for those of you who even listen y'all are still supporting us when you head over to apple and leave us that five star review we really appreciate that uh you can follow more from me over at lme movies uh pretty much on all social medias but zach where can they find
1: more from you You can find me at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H on Twitter or Letterboxd, wherever. And you can also find more of me and my videos multiplex show over on youtube and tiktok as well and we should give a little bit of a a note to our our frequent listeners the people who are here in the live stream with us every week uh we are gonna be doing fewer live streams just in july uh art's got some travel i've got some travel but we're not gonna be gone we we're back with our best movies of the year so far we're back with all sorts of brackets we're gonna be back in town for barbie and oppenheimer week we're not missing out on that one you got your tickets Uh, for 70 right Right? Oh yeah, I got I my, tickets for, my 70, tickets for seventy. I will be traveling 70 IMAX, seventy IMAX. Easily. I am yeah. going a a nukes
0: distance away just to go <laughs> see this movie. <laughs> so do yourself a favor, Michigan, sure no because safe they are booking them. They are booking them fast. There's only oh, yeah. thirty theaters in the U.S. Thirty theaters that are playing it. And honestly, I think they, that counts Canada as well. So uh, hopefully, Damn. you have one near you. Just go to IMAX, Oppenheimer, seventy millimeter. They should have it there.
1: Yeah, uh, but stick with us on Intercut. We got lots of videos coming out in the month, and we're recording a lot this week to keep you This is our 20th video
0: recorded today.
1: Just Other than working that,
0: through <laughs> a reminder that you can listen to every episode of the intercut podcast on itunes anchor spotify whatever your favorite podcatcher is you can watch every week here live on youtube.com a shout out to all of the intercuties who listen live and those who listen later big shout out to all the intercuties over on the patreon we really appreciate that like we said those five star reviews we keep mentioning them because that helps us to be able to see more movies to get you more content more reviews more must watches on your radar. Uh, don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over at Intercut Pod. And until next time, we'll send you a beef? <laughs> I'm trying to think what the next best menu item is on the bay. Wet, wet, Sp- hot. juicy,
1: hot.